0: Kate is back on today's episode. If you did not hear the latest episodes with Kate before, or you're like, who is Kate? Then go back a few episodes, listen to those first, and then join us here so that you can kind of get the background and the evolution of our conversation. And today we're gonna talk about victim blaming modalities. Kate has done a ton of research about victim blaming modalities and how they're all rooted in misogyny. So, Kate, of course, we're all women and we're all interested in combating misogyny. So, um, This you really took to heart and started researching. Can you talk about some of the research that you did? So
1: I started posting
0: a bunch of victim-blaming posts on
1: Facebook, like a whole series of them. My first one was codependency. And then I started doing, I think the second one was reactive abuse. And they're all just these different modalities that are entirely victim-blaming. They're bogus. They're not even real.
0: When you use the word modalities... What do you mean by modalities in this context?
1: Just different models of treating people or viewing them. That's all. So you got codependency. You have reactive abuse. You have the drama triangle, which you already know, and Stockholm syndrome, learned helplessness, and prodependency. All of these are all victim-blaming. And they've been used on victims for a very long time. They're all bogus. None of them are real. Learned helplessness, it's not actually real. If you go back to the the old research studies of what they did, it's not real. It's like they did this research study and they're like, aha, I figured it out. This is what it means. And then they applied it to abuse victims and it doesn't work because the information they got from it was not accurate in the first place.
0: Will you read that list again for listeners who were like, wait, 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 I want to hear. And all of these will be listed on our website. You can find this episode. All of it will be listed because we transcribe every interview and they're all there. So you can get it in written form. But will you just list those one more time?
1: You have codependency, reactive abuse, the drama triangle, Stockholm syndrome, trauma bonded, learned helplessness, and pro-dependency.
0: Okay. So I'm going to do my own rant. I haven't had one of those for a while where I get on and it's just me talking about trauma bonding. I did a coffee and convo with Sarah McDougal about this because I've developed my own model that I call manufactured relational tether instead of trauma bond that more accurately describes what is really happening. Let's start with reactive abuse. So a lot of victims might not have heard this term. Can you describe what that is and then why it's victim blaming?
1: So reactive abuse is like, let's say a husband is standing in the doorway and a wife wants to get out and she pushes him or she throws stuff. They call that reactive abuse. You are reacting in an abusive way or you are being mutually abusive. So he's being abusive and you're being abusive. And that whole thing is completely bogus because because what is the intent behind it? If an abuser is standing in the doorway, blocking you and you push him, it is not the same thing. It's self-defense. Self-defense is not the same thing as abuse. If we were talking about like murder, if somebody came into your home and tried to kill you, try to kill your family, and you shot them, what would they call that? Hopefully, in most cases, I know there are some extreme e- examples. I'm not talking about that. But in most cases, that is self-defense. So how would it feel if people were like, oh, you? so you murdered that man? It wasn't murder. So why would anybody call it like reactive murder? It's not murder. It is self-defense. There is a huge difference because of the intent behind it.
0: So the foundation of this is misogyny and entitlement. And this is why abuse is like she should be treating me a certain way right she should give me certain things and this is how she should act and this is how she should support me or whatever do what I want and if she doesn't do that it is quote-unquote abusive to me because I am entitled to these things so if like dinner isn't on the table, or if I don't have sex, or if she doesn't treat me with respect, meaning do everything I want her to do. If I say, I want this room to be blue. And she's like, well, I don't like blue. (gasps) She's not respecting me, right? Instead of just, oh, she's a person equal to me. And so our opinions are equal. She thinks I'm wrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So they actually see abusers will always view themselves as the victim who is responding to their victim's abuse. So they will always claim that their victim is either at fault or that she is abusive or that she had some cause because they genuinely feel like because of their paradigm of entitlement that she is abusing him. And so he is just reacting to the abuse rather than realizing that his entitlements are what is making him abusive in the first place.
1: Yes. And her reacting in any way is not the same thing as abuse. It's not. The intent is different. She is not setting out, oh, I want to hurt him. I'm going to push him out of the way because I just want to hurt him. I'm in control. Also, there's a huge power differential. One always has more power than the other. And I've heard of many, many wives like, maybe I was abusive. I don't know. I, I called them a bunch of names. I even threw something at them. Maybe I was abusive too. And it's like, who has more control in the relationship? Is it you? I don't know. Or is it probably him? Because he's the one who's been lying, who's been gaslighting, who's been abusing. He's also the, the breadwinner. He is also making the money. You have no money. You are coming from a place of self-defense and he's coming from a place of abuse and entitlement. And it matters. Some people are like, well, why does it matter? Like if I call it reactive abuse, it still will help me, you know, not to react that way. And I'm like, okay, it matters because the words we use matter. If we call it mutual abuse, it is a guarantee that other people who hear that will think that you're equally at fault. Even if you don't believe you are, other people will, even the abuser. So they did this study where they even switched a few words around and it still had a huge impact. For example, they did a study where the participants read, Lisa was approached by Dan at a party and Dan gave Lisa a drink spiked with a drug. Later that night, Lisa was assaulted by Dan. And then the participants had to basically rate the level of which they felt it was Lisa's fault. The researchers then switched the perpetrator to be the subject in the sentence, making it like Dan approached Lisa instead of Lisa approached Dan. And they discovered that people were less likely to subconsciously blame the victim when the perpetrator was the subject. So it's like words matter. Any words that make it sound like the victim is at fault will always make people subconsciously, even if they don't mean to, subconsciously view the victim actually at fault. So we cannot use words
0: like that. So victims in this scenario should say, he was blocking the door in an effort to get to safety. I pushed him. Yeah, it's self-defense. It is self-defense. Or he he lied to me, again, to my face, and in an effort to know the truth, I yelled. You could even say it wasn't effective. I didn't get the truth because I yelled. I chose a different method of truth seeking after that. We talked in previous episodes about the pornography addiction recovery complex that I will call it. There are people out there who say, okay, now when he comes to you with his porn use, you need to react a certain way. Like let's say he's been lying to you for 10 years and he's been manipulating you and gaslighting you and finally he comes to you and he says, I've been using porn. You, victim of his 10 years of emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion, you need to react a certain way in order to help him. And instead of saying, when you tell someone that you have been victimizing them for 10 years, you need to be aware that they're going to react in a variety of ways that are not going to be about you. It's about them, right? I'm upset. I'm angry. I don't want to talk to you. All of these are natural, normal ways that she should be behaving. If she sat there and said, Oh, I love you. I care about you. Thank you for sharing. I'm so glad you're getting to a healthy place. What can I do to help you? I don't know. Maybe some women might react that way in trauma because they're like not sure what to do. But I'm just saying like, they need to know that a normal reaction to abuse or a disclosure of abuse should be anger, sadness, They should be hysterical. If they were not hysterical from just finding out that they were abused for 10 years emotionally and psychologically and a victim of sexual coercion, like, "Mm, are they okay? And so for the pornography addiction recovery complex to say, victims, you need to be really careful about how you respond to him so you don't hurt him when he admits to abusing you is insane. It's absolutely crazy. It is insane.
1: It's actually promoting dishonesty. I don't know why, because dishonesty is like one of the bigger problems going on in the marriage anyway from the abuser. So why are we trying to promote it in the wife as well? Like, oh, hold your feelings in. Like, we've all all seen Frozen. We know how it doesn't work. Like, don't do
0: it. (laughs) Don't feel. don't feel, no, don't do that. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a five-star review we received on Amazon. She said, necessary, period. I've been a licensed professional counselor for over two decades and couldn't handle my own betrayal trauma. Friends and family did not understand. My mom is reading it for better understanding. Thank you for that review. And now back to our conversation. There are a lot of organizations out there that are trying to help people know how to react to someone's porn use. With a parent of a child who is using porn. Of course, this is a different scenario. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about a woman who is in a relationship with an adult man. So I would say any woman who is over the age of 18, whether she's dating him, if he has lied to her about his porn use or coerced her, and lying about your porn use when that is someone's sexual boundary is sexual coercion. So anything like that, that if they're encouraging women who are dating when the guy that she's dating talks about his porn use, you know, you need to be kind. That is not true. She has every right to be like, wow, that is kind of alarming. I need some time to think about it. I'm not sure if I want to date you anymore. I mean, that's a totally fair thing for them to do. And if they didn't do that, I would be a little bit concerned about her, right? I'd be like, whoa, she does not know what she's in for if she's not taking this really seriously.
1: Well, a lot of people don't realize that you, you can't give your consent if you don't have a full understanding of what's going on.
0: Right. It's like a complete lack of consent and coercion.
1: So I think you already know that the drama triangle's
0: victim blaming, right? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, I have a graphic about it.
1: Yeah. And did you even know that the guy who made it, he even said, he even stated, this is not for an actual abuse and perpetrator situation.
0: In the back of Trauma Mama Husband Drama, my book, there's a graphic that s- circles the drama triangle and like crosses it out like Ghostbusters crossing it out.
1: Well, I actually, I have it on my my Facebook post, the
0: drama triangle Facebook post. I use the BTR logo. So let's talk about the drama triangle for a minute. So what is the drama triangle? For people who aren't familiar with it, if you don't have a copy of my book, you can get it at btr.org slash books. And there's there's that that image, or excuse me, that infographic at the back. But for women who aren't familiar, what is the drama triangle?
1: Okay. So drama triangle, it's also called the Cartman triangle or the persecutor and rescuer triangle, whatever. They have so many different names. So what it is, is where they have three roles. There's the victim, the woe is me, the persecutor, the bully, and then the rescuer, like, let me fix you. And basically they all come together because they all have psychological unmet needs Often developed in childhood. Quoting the other guy. I'm not saying this, this is from the guy. The interesting thing is that the victim in the model is thought to be the start or the catalyst of the entire drama triangle.
0: Really? That actually is in line with the industrial complex saying, well, it's her being triggered that's the problem. It's not him triggering her that's the problem.
1: Yes. This is just another example where the victim is made out to be the worst person Possible way more than the abuser. So, in this whole drama triangle, it's like for some reason, I don't know why, but this got applied to actual abuse situations. I don't understand it because the guy even came out and said, Stephen Cartman, he even came out and said that these are people playing the role of the victim. They're not actually the victim, they're just manipulating. So, if you have somebody who is legit being abused, they can never play that victim in the drama triangle, which means that drama triangle should not apply at all. Don't use it. Stay away from it. It has nothing to do with you. You are not playing the victim. You're not being the persecutor. You're not going to do these different roles. You are an actual victim. This is not you playing the victim. Right.
0: Exactly. I was going to say that exact same thing. You cannot play the victim when you are actually the victim. In fact, when you are actually the victim, the abuser He is the perpetrator, but then he plays the role of the victim and he also plays the role of the rescuer. And he does that to manipulate you.
1: Yes. And so he can play all those different things, but that doesn't mean you are part of the drama triangle. And I know there's some people who've tried to put it towards these wives and like, oh, here, you need to learn how to get out of the drama triangle. And it's like, you were never in the first place because it didn't apply to you. So why do you need to work on getting out of something you were never in technically in the first place?
0: Exactly. So there are not three roles and someone's playing a part because a lot of times they'll say that she plays the rescuer. But what that means is there are only two roles in reality, real actual roles, the perpetrator and the victim. And the perpetrator can act like a victim. He can act like a rescuer. He can groom. He can hoover. He can manipulate. But he is always the perpetrator and she is always the victim in that scenario.
1: Yes. It's not like they go back and forth like, oh, well, then she got really, really angry and started yelling and calling him names. So then she became the perpetrator. It's like, no, no, (laughs) there's still a power differential. Somebody still
0: has more control. Stay tuned. Next week, Kate and I are going to finish up our conversation about victim blaming. So we'll see you next week. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on Support the BTR Podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.